Welcome, welcome, welcome into Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on a chilly Wednesday in Fort Wayne. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kenny with you. And the bragging rights go to Purdue. The first matchup of IU and Purdue is complete, and the Boilers take care of business at Assembly Hall. Largest margin of victory for Purdue on the road in the series since 1934. We'll break it down after headlines. Also coming up on the show this morning, the Pacers eyeing a massive trade in the NBA. We'll give you the details there. And a soon-to-be NFL player is as fast or even faster than Tyreek Hill. We'll talk about that bottom of the hour. And in hour number two, what's next for Purdue and IU after last night's in-state clash? And Jim Harbaugh wants this if he's going to return to Michigan. Plus, Justin, you, you ever play knockout as a kid? All the time. Yeah, well, there's a statewide competition Ooh. coming to Indiana. So we'll give you the details on that and how uh, your kid could participate, including uh, not too far away here from Fort Wayne. And uh, they're just going to have a thousand you, kids on the court yeah, playing knockout? Yeah, not quite. Oh, okay. They're going to they're gonna mix it up a little bit more than that. But yes, it's this is cool, and it's all part of uh, All-Star Weekend. Pacers hosting the All-Star Game just about a month from now. And then also... Um, some passengers who thought they were sitting in water were not sitting in water. Oh. We'll give you the info on that at the end of the show. Plus, we have Comets tickets to give away. Hey, today. let's go. Comets uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at home. What, what Do we have Friday tickets? We have Saturday tickets? We have, I believe, Sunday tickets. Okay. So. Let's do it. They are playing, Is it's pronounced Worcester, right? I say Wooster. Wooster? Yeah, but okay. I don't know if I'm saying it right. But they're playing the, the Worcester is it Railers? The Railers, yes. So just text Railers to 46862. Again, Railers to 46862. It'll be in the running for a four-pack of tickets. See the Ks. I will double-check the day. It's it's Saturday or Sunday. I will double-check um, and, and confirm, but it is this weekend. So again, uh, 46862, your text line number. If you have thoughts on IU Purdue, or if you just want to text Railers to win a four-pack of Comets tickets, let us know on the text line. So, you made it here. I think we survived the cold spell so far. Uh, so far, so good. And there's uh, one more day, I think, of delays today. And then I think we'll be back to normal. Yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> back, I mean, back to normal for January in Indiana. I think to next week is supposed to be a lot of 40s. So, you know, that stuff tends to even out. Yes. I cannot wait. It'll be downright balmy. Yeah, yeah. 40s. Those shorts out. Uh, don't forget, you can always stream us, 1380thefan.com. You can download the free 1380thefan app and listen to us on there, on the go, on your phone, or via your smart speaker, Alexa or Google. Uh, you can listen in on your smart speaker. Again, uh, and, and the text line, it is Railers, not Raiders, Railers. Railers with an L, and it is confirmed Wooster. Okay. It is the Wooster, Wooster. Railers. So, you'll sound like a native of Wooster if you say Wooster. (laughs) All right. Well, let's dive right into headlines, and we'll get to IU Purdue right after headlines. Not a whole lot to get to this morning. I do have some, uh, once we get through, some interesting news news this morning. Oh. But uh, let's get through headlines. Uh, Okay. Mike Tomlin set to return to Pittsburgh. I I didn't realize there was a doubt he was going to return. I mean, there was a lot of talk of him going the TV route, but why would Pittsburgh give up? Well, Mike it's Tom. because Pittsburgh has unrealistic expectations for itself. We kind of talked about it 
yesterday about Pittsburgh's inability to commit to a complete rebuild because people just expect them to win every year. But Mike Tomlin has never had a season with less than eight wins. Ooh, we we have uh yeah, we do have some v- very interesting news I just came across. Yeah, let's so get to that. It's probably now. the same thing. Yes. Yeah, let's let's get to that right now. Uh this report from TMZ, Jim Irsay found unresponsive and blue during suspected overdose in December. According to police, again, that from TMZ that was breaking overnight. Um overdose suspected. So again, this happened December 8th, around 4.30 a.m., police were called to Ursay's Carmel home. Uh, someone said they'd found the owner unconscious on a bathroom floor with a blue skin tone. Uh, when police arrived, Ursay had been moved to his bed where he's struggling to breathe weak pulse and constricted pupils. Um, he had to be given a dose of Narcan, yeah, which is used pretty serious. to combat opiate overdoses. So we, we Jim Ursay has been open about his struggles in the past with pills, basically this would seemingly be different than that, but um, TMZ reporting this overnight. And, and, and remember a week ago, the Colts announced uh, that he had a, Ursa had a severe respiratory illness and we haven't heard from him. No, not, while, not, right? not since the season ended, which um, kind of interesting too, with timing wise. So, that's the big news that uh, we're finding out this morning. Jim Ursay treated for what uh, is apparently a overdose on December 8th, early on December 8th. So again, Ursay, owner of the Colts since 1997. Um, yeah, wow, it's, it's a lot to unpack. Uh, I, not not ideal. Not, not good, and I mean, clearly dealing with that respiratory illness, but this is also a whole other things separate i mean is do we believe the severe respiratory illness it could be separate from that happening i mean because we're talking about something that's a a month after yeah but we could also be dealing with somebody that's potentially getting help for their uh addiction yes either way best wishes to jim ursay that's scary hopefully he gets the help he needs for sure but yeah that was the uh the big news that i saw this morning uh, elsewhere on headlines, so we go from the NFL to college football, and congrats to Dylan Thieneman, the Purdue freshman, once again getting yet another honor as he was named the Football Writers Association of America Defensive Freshman Player of the Year. So the the defensive back and Ryan Walters, right, known for Elite defensive backs, and Dylan Thieneman was definitely elite his freshman year. And, and Purdue, we talked about the other day, getting an elite recruit as a defensive back. So Ryan Walters continues to build in that secondary, and he has a, a building block for next season with Dylan Thieneman. It's a great piece to have. He's coming back and has proven himself as a freshman. We'll see where he can go from here. So congratulations to Mr. Thieneman, and congratulations to the Boilers for having a player of that caliber. Absolutely. Uh, we have news on college football's video game. Yeah, buddy. That is planned to launch July 12th of this year. So they were a lot of people were expecting some sort of advertisement during the college trailer football or something playoff like that. Yeah. National championship game did not happen, but we at least have some more details. So July 12th of this summer, uh, if you're looking forward to the return of 
college football video game. There you go. There's your date. Uh, for Notre Dame, that, which they've been kind of back and forth on how they'd participate in the game, but we do have some details on what's next for the Irish. Pete Bavacqua, who will take over as the athletic director, he will resume that role on March 25th. So we officially have a date for him resuming that role. It is uh, good news. Be sure to see that. Can't wait for the video game. Traditionally, it comes out in July. Uh, in years past, I, I would imagine Notre Dame's going to be part of this thing. So um, uh, Yeah, there's too much money to be made. Yeah, for sure. I think we've heard that all major conferences in, and I, 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 it, it was a, a potential hang-up early on in the process, but I don't think it is now. Notre Dame will be part of the next college football game, which will be huge coming out from what it sounds like in mid-July. From the NCAA to the NAIA, Joey Didier has resigned after 13 seasons on the St. Francis football staff uh, with... Uh, part of Kevin Donnelly's staff for a long time. Uh, he started as a linebackers coach in 2010, shifted to co-defensive coordinator in 2013, and then also tacked on assistant head coach before the 2023 season. Um, obviously, they had a lot of success that he is moving to an opportunity outside of coaching. Just another longtime St. Francis coach, assistant coach, that is moving on. It's very much a, a new-look staff in recent years and now Joey Didier a, a part of the program for almost 15 years is now moving on so more transition for the Cougs as they try to uh, to navigate I think a, a a changed landscape in terms of athletics at St. Francis and it can be difficult, particularly when you're surrounded by other programs that maybe get more financial support um, or have b- bigger, bigger investments. Like you look at Indiana Wesleyan in particular, it can be tough to keep up. And now losing some coaches, it makes it even more difficult. Meanwhile, from College football to high school football, a couple of interesting news. Woodland has named their new head football coach, Brock Rohrbacher. And Hamilton has accepted an invite to join the Hoosier Plains Conference starting for the upcoming school year. I don't even know where the Hoosier Plains Conference is. I don't either. (laughs) But congratulations to Brock Rohrbacher, former coach at Leo, was uh, an assistant at Leo, and now ready to get back into the head coaching ranks at kids that were around, you know, age that he wanted to watch grow up and it was administrator too. So now getting back into it, taking over Woodland uh, and uh, former coach Mike Smith that was there. So good luck to, to coach Warbrocker as he takes over the Warriors and enters ACAC competition this fall. In one final headline note. ECHL has approved an expansion franchise for Bloomington, Illinois, that will begin play coming up next season. So I believe they've had a team in the past, but same ownership group as the Indy Fuel. They also will be the 30th franchise for the ECHL as uh, a team that is owned in part by Tim Tebow, Lake Tahoe, the Tahoe Lake Monsters. Great name, by the way. Um, They are also starting play next season. So they try to get to 32 teams for 32 franchises in the NHL, which makes it just that much more difficult to win a championship in the ECHL for the Comets or the Fuel or whoever uh, as the league continues to grow. Also, 
Saw this. Uh, 15 fans hospitalized, dozens treated yes. for hypothermia symptoms from the Kansas City and Dolphins game over the weekend. And I was kind of thinking about this over the weekend because as I'm watching that game and they're showing fans, especially like fans that are shirtless and stuff, like, is it brave to go to a game like that or is it just stupid? Because it's been crazy cold the last three or four days here, but it never felt minus 27, minus 30 here and these people were standing outside for three like i don't know if it's my age i don't know maybe at 25 i think it's great to go to a game like that but i just think it's stupid to go to that game i think it's stupid if you aren't prepared and clearly these fans weren't prepared but it's like even if you're prepared like you're just standing there for three and a half hours at least in minus 25 degree windshield like i don't know Think about it, though. People want to be tough, right? Yeah, that's my thing. Think I, about I, how many people... Like, I think I saw someone in the crowd who didn't have a shirt. Yes, I remember, which, which is, I'm sure he was very inebriated. Maybe he was one of the uh, yeah. 15 hospitalized, <laughs> because that's just absurd. I was thinking about it even yesterday. I was walking to and from the house, and I was thinking about that guy. Well, what the hell is he doing? Right? Like, seriously, like, there, there's a difference between being brave and being dumb. And I, I looked at a lot of fans that were at that game. I was like, you're just dumb. But, but think about this. Every winter... You, you're out and about, right? And there's always a teen with either shorts on and or without a coat. So sure. those people exist everywhere. Yeah, but yeah, you fill with Arrowhead with uh, tens of thousands of them. It's just, uh, just absurd. But uh, that was not surprising when I saw that 15 fans hospitalized, dozens treated for hypothermia after that game. 46862, your text line number 46862. If you are a Purdue fan or an IU fan, Start sending your texts our way. It's time to talk about the rivalry. And as we mentioned at the top, dominant performance by the Boilers. IU made a game of it early on in the second half, going on that big run after halftime to cut it down to nine. It hovered in that nine, 10, 11, 12 point range for a bit. And then Purdue just blew the game back open. Zach Eady was unstoppable. I mean, 33 points, 14 rebounds. IU had no answer for him. Fletcher Lawyer scored 19 points on just six shots, four of four from three. Lance Jones was 17. Um, Braden Smith, he had again another bad outing, 2 of 14, 0 of 6 from three. Doesn't matter. If, if you would have said that to IU fans before the game, IU fans would probably feel a lot more confident in the result. But between Fletcher Lawyer, Lance Jones, and then Zach Eady, who was unstoppable, again, he's having a better season than he had last year. He should be the back-to-back national player of the year. That's how good things are going for Purdue. They get their largest win in Bloomington since 1934. <laughs> and uh, it was the biggest win in the series since 2003. In perspective. Fatic win for Purdue because all IU fans had over the last couple of years was, well, we're three and one against Purdue. Yep. Well, you're now three and two in emphatic and borderline, in my opinion, embarrassing yes. fashion. The the at first the assembly hall. The first half performance by Indiana was embarrassing. Pitiful. Uh, now, granted, was part of that due to the foul trouble and Mike Woodson's inability to realize he's got to have his best players on the floor. But again, that's on IU. Like this is <laughs> is terrible. And anybody thinking this team is capable of making the tournament is just. Yeah, I mean, it's not even crimson colored glasses. Like you are, you have been painted in crimson. This team is going nowhere, and. When you looked at it last night, you said, okay, Mbako picks up two. That's trouble. And then when Khalil Ware picked up his second, this game was over. And God bless Peyton Sparks. He tried. 
He he put in some good minutes. He did, but it wasn't enough. But he's a complete mismatch against Zach Eady. I mean, this game was over once those two guys went to the bench. We mentioned it yesterday as one of the keys is IU had to keep their forwards on the floor and and their center, and they couldn't do it in the first half. The result was a twenty one point lead, twenty two point lead at halftime. Yeah, it got within single digits, but. The the you dug yourself such a hole that IU wasn't going to pull themselves out. Your 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 worst players on the floor last night for Indiana. Your most experienced Xavier Johnson terrible, Trey Galloway terrible. It was embarrassing last night in Bloomington. And and once again you wake up and and will there really be a referendum on Mike Woodson? Because last night was embarrassing. I mean Trey Galloway had a huge second half. He was he was terrible in the first half when the game mattered. True, the game never. It was it was nine, and when you mentioned you, you text me because I was dealing with work stuff as I turned it on, um, and they were down nine. I just I never still felt that IU was going to come back because they dealt with them so themselves such a hole. And the and part of the reason was is Trey Galloway was terrible in the first half, and that kind of comes back to your experienced dudes laid eggs. Xavier Johnson all game, and granted he came off the bench but was still terrible when he was in there, like he was trying to prove something. And then Trey Galloway in the first half was just a non-factor, was bad. I mean, it was just, it was bad all around last night for Indiana. And conversely, it was all good for Purdue. Your your player of the year, who should be a two-time player of the year, played like it. You mentioned Fletcher Lawyer, effective. Uh, Lance Jones was huge. And that team played like a top-ranked team in the country, a top-three-ranked team in the country. And IU just, once again, exposed. Absolutely exposed. And usually that happens on the road. But last night, IU was exposed on its home floor. And Fletcher Lawyer, you know, all the talk going into the matchup was Zach Eady versus IU's bigs and how that would play out. But the secondary storyline was Fletcher Lawyer. And, you know, who's he guarding, right? And then on, on the flip side, who's guarding him? And McKenzie Mbako picked up two quick fouls as did Khalil Ware, and that completely changed the course of this game. Mike Woodson's substitution patterns, once again, if you're an IU fan, leave a lot to be desired. Meanwhile, if you're a Purdue fan, you have to be thrilled because not only did you get a blowout win at your rival, but also Wisconsin was upset on the road at Penn State last night. So the Boilers in sole possession of second place, which was going to happen regardless. Uh, the, the, the winner of IU Purdue was going to be in sole possession of second place. But then also, you tack on the fact that Wisconsin lost. They're now 5-1, and one, so Purdue is right there a half game back, the top of the Big Ten standings. It was a good night all around for the Boilermakers last night, but this team has higher goals than the Big Ten cha- regular season championship. I know it matters, but what matters is really the tournament for Purdue. And last night, they exposed a team that thinks it's a per- uh, tournament team, that some fans still think is a tournament team, and... It was it was not to be last night. Credit IU fans, they tried. My gosh, they tried to keep that team in it. First half, uh, I, there were some couple plays that stood out to me in this game in the first half that really told the story for the Hoosiers. At one point, they cut it. I think it was 25-18, 25-19. Yeah, 25-18. The crowd is on its feet. It's trying to get... And they allow Braden Smith to dribble around literally four dudes. There was a time, and I'm sure you can get a screenshot, of Braden Smith going to the bucket, surrounded by four IU players. 
and all of them are just watching him go to the basket. Now, he missed the bucket with some late help defense, but that was the rebound dunk by Zach Eady that then put Purdue... Like, you have the crowd in it. You If you can get a stop, you can cut further into the deficit. Not only do you not get a stop, you let a guy just dribble to the basket unimpeded around four dudes. And if there's one play that really describes Indiana, it was that play. The crowd was trying to do its thing. They had some some uh, some hard-earned buckets on the other end. I will give them that they were hustling last night. Indiana was. And then they just completely lay an egg on the other end. And it was just like, that's so IU. That is so IU. And then, of course, the the I go back to Peyton Sparks, and I give him credit. He was trying. But the fact that Mike Woodson still tried to do the same thing with Peyton Sparks in there that he does with Mackenzie Mbako and Khalil Ware... Like, what are you doing? Like, in that respect, you just go small and just try to attack, attack, attack. But Peyton Sparks didn't have it last night in eight minutes. Five points, four rebounds. I'll give it to him. He tried, but he can't match up with Zach Eady. No one for Indiana could. Khalil no. Ware was the only I mean, one. hardly anybody he, in the country that could match up with Zach Eady. He called for fouls. And, you know, as crazy as it was, they picked up those uh, two quick fouls apiece. And Baco never committed another foul the rest of the game, and Ware had one more. And, and they sat on the bench since about, what, the 14-minute mark, and that's where Woodson completely just didn't trust his players and let this game get away. Like you said, it was over at halftime. IU made their runs, but for Purdue, credit to them, and I have to give extra credit to Zach Eady because you talk about IU hustling, but when it mattered most, Zach Eady was diving on the floor for a loose basketball that led to a Purdue bucket in the second half. It was a, another huge play in this game. It was. At one point, the fouls were 7-1 to one in the first half of Indiana, yet I watched that game in the first half and said, I don't feel like this game is being called unfair. They were trying to be really physical with Zach Eady. I understand why, but they committed fouls. They can't play defense without fouling on Zach Eady. This team can't. I think Trace Jackson Davis could. I think um, you, Jalen hood Shafino was a, a great equalizer last year. You don't have that uh, this year, so... I know some people will say, well, the, the discrepancy in free throws, 27 to 9. Indiana was fouling more, pure and simple. And Purdue made 23 of their 20, 22 of their 27 free throws. IU just went 4 of 9. It was an ugly night all around. The second half surge does not cover the fact that IU was absolutely terrible last night. And, and, and it's another step to exposing this program as simply not good enough under Mike Woodson. Those, those four and five stars that everybody just gets so excited about. Mbako, two early fouls to the bench. Khalil Ware, really a non-factor all night. 26 minutes, 5.6 rebounds. You're not winning a game with Khalil Ware doing that. It was, it was ugly. I'll, I'll give uh, credit, though. Gabe Cups, five points. Yeah, Gabe Cups hit a couple shots Exploded early in the second points. half. Um, To me, the biggest takeaway is that Purdue, as a complete team this year, and I've said this before, I'll say it again, Lance Jones is a player that Purdue thought they were getting in David Jenkins last season, and it has paid off for the Boilers. He is the reason why they've gone from what they were last year to a team that I think has legitimate potential to get to a Final Four. And, And I'll probably be eating those words if they flame out again in March but look, he is he is the X factor to me. When he's on, this team is unstoppable. And Lance Jones was big last night in this game. And for Indiana, 
I, I mean, it's just Xavier Johnson. What are you doing? Right. I mean, I second game mid range. There's a reason why he was doing? benched after the Rutgers ejection, and, and now it's like you keep him benched. Do you suspend him a game? <laughs> the flagrant that he committed. I mean, it was just absurd. So uh, twenty minutes, has to be zero done. points. Twenty minutes, zero points off the bench. Um, just it's terrible. Remember, remember when when and we thought the key to IU season was getting Xavier Johnson back for that <laughs> six year. Nope. Now plenty of IU fans are going. Yeah, we're probably better off not having yeah. Xavier Johnson back. Yeah. Uh, big problem. Who's who's leading this team? Who's the leader? Trey Galloway. Is he? I guess. <laughs> they don't have anyone else. I mean, Trey Galloway's his his final stat line looks respectable. He was bad in the first half. And you dug yourself way too big a hole. And we kind of uh, kind of questioned the nine and a half point uh, <laughs> pick, yeah, the, 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 the spread yesterday. Well, hey, Vegas knows they could have made the, the line plus 20 and a half and Purdue would have covered last night. 46862, your text line number 46862. If you have more thoughts on IU Purdue, in this game, uh, someone pointing out, I know the rest didn't decide the game, but there will not be a 27-9 to free throw disparity favoring IU at Mackey. No, the, the, the officials didn't. IU fouled more. Yeah. I, I hate this idea that people think, and I see it all the time in high school, that fouls are supposed to be even. Purdue played defense last night. IU didn't. IU just hacked. And Purdue made the free throws, too. Zach Eady. Uh, was big from the free throw line for the boy that's going 11 of 12. That's that's the X factor, right? He's a really good free throw shooter. So fouling him a bunch doesn't really help your team a whole lot. Not at all. I, I just, I hate, it's like, it's not an excuse, but here's an excuse. No, 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 no. I use bad. They stink. Uh, Xavier Johnson, more of a cancer to the team than a benefit. He's horrible. Yep. Uh, and now benching him instead of sending a lesson has made him just like, well, I'm just going to come out and play me basketball. Yeah, when I'm the, on the floor, the behind the back layup attempt that he thought he was fouled, didn't get the call. And then that felt like that changed changed the game when IU was at least making it competitive in the second half. They, they had chances to make a run. Um, Anthony Walker took a horrendous three point shot when the game was still within reach that would have cut it back to single digits. I, I, look, not a good basketball team, as you said. And don't worry, IU fans. Uh, everything is going to be rosy because you're at Wisconsin where you haven't won oh, yeah. since, what, 1998 or 99, the Cole Center? So good luck on Friday night. Uh, CK, did Xavier change his shots up, shot up from previous years? The dude needs 20 feet of space to get the ball off for a shot. He just has has an awkward release, man. And it's gotten worse. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's weird. But um, just uh, a lot. <laughs> IU sucks. Purdue is good equals blowout win for Purdue. I mean, sometimes that's as simple as it is. <laughs> is uh, Purdue's good and IU isn't. There's no excuse. And I think the best thing for IU long term was the fact that this happened at the assembly hall because that's all you had to hang your hat on for for Mike Woodson as well. He's three and one against Purdue. Everything else hopefully will come along. No, no, no. And IU uh, generally plays well at home, right? <laughs> Not until last night. That was the first complete stinker they've had. All season. And it comes against your biggest opponent. I'm just, you know, what last night did was just reinforce all my opinions of IU basketball. It's just terrible. It's a terrible basketball team. It's terribly coached. It's a a lot of me basketball. And when you play a team that plays like a team, 
like Purdue does, you may hate Purdue out there, but you have to marvel at how they play in terms of team basketball. Everybody compliments everybody, and they play as a team. And it just exposes how individualistic IU is and plays. This is bad. Uh, someone texting in, even Hummel called that a foul, talking about the Xavier Johnson play. It, yeah, yeah. I, they didn't call a foul, though. That's the problem. That Xavier Johnson then just freaked outed out and continued to make bad basketball plays. Someone else, Edie on pace to be the all-time leading scorer at Purdue. If it's only because he's tall, why hasn't any other seven-footer had the accomplishments he has had? IU fans are just jealous, can't accept they won't make the tourney. I think that that narrative has largely gone away. I think it was a bigger thing last year. Yes. But I think more and more people that have watched Zach Eady, yeah, like he's legit good at basketball. Does being 7 4 help? Totally. Absolutely. But he is very much a basketball. We've all seen basketball players that are only basketball players because they're tall. Zach Eady is not Zach one of those Eady guys. Zach is not one of those guys. <laughs> That's for sure. 46862. Again, continuing to send your thoughts on IU Purdue. Meanwhile, on the other side, during this game, a story broke from Sham Sarania, NBA reporter. The Pacers eyeing a massive trade. We'll give you the details on this if it works, if we like it, if we hate it. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Text line very busy today with IU and Purdue thoughts. Keep them coming. Yes. Just send them all a show. Uh, if there's something really good, we'll get to it. On the show, uh, four six eight six two is how you text us on the text line again. Four six eight six two. Just put in CK before your message. So during the IU Purdue game, news broke last night: the Pacers are eyeing a trade for the Raptors' Pascal Siakam. Now that's nothing new. It's that Sham Sharania of the Athletic and, and Stadium had more details that we hadn't really seen as far as how this deal would go through, and and since the Kings have backed out of trying to make a deal. So Pascal Siakam with the Raptors, a power forward, great NBA player, one of the best defenders in the league. Uh, But the deal is reportedly Siakam for Bruce Brown, who the Pacers signed in the offseason, who, I'm going to be honest, has not really lived up to the contract, right? I I mean, we Uh, haven't really talked about it. He's the highest paid Pacer, isn't he? Beyond Halliburton. Yeah. And I, I don't think we really talked about that enough. I don't even think they're paying Halliburton that much this year. He's he's not lived up to the deal, and the, the Pacers just simply need a lot more than what they're getting from Bruce Brown. I think when you look at the surface of this trade and the potential, and what's being reported is Bruce Brown and three first-round picks. Now, the Pacers own all their first-round picks in the immediate future, plus an extra first rounder from the thunder this year. So they have two first rounders and they have plenty of cap space because the big question is with Siakam is he's a free agent after this year with the Pacers. I imagine if they're going to pay that much would sign then uh, Siakam to a long-term deal of which the Pacers have the cap space to do makes sense. And my, the most exciting thing for me is a good defender, a great defender. Yeah. Yeah. One of the knows this team could use it. Ian, I, I think the other thing when you, you look at this deal, because it's also several other players would have to be thrown in. So it sounds like you're giving up a ton. I'm sure the Raptors would maybe throw in one other you know salary dump or something like that. The Pacers would have to sign Siakam long term, but my guess is that you don't make the deal unless you get the guarantee he's going to sign the extension. But you look at the other players, um, Bruce Brown, 
Jarris Walker, Obi Toppin, TJ McConnell. These are all players that would fit as far as the Pacers giving up and still making the trade work on a salary aspect. But the Pacers don't extend first-round picks, and I think everyone is freaking out about the three firsts. Here's the thing. If you're not drafting in the lottery, let alone in the top five, there is absolutely no guarantee it's going to hit. Yes, the Pacers got lucky with Paul George, right, at, at, at 10. Right? They they had a good pick with Miles Turner, who was, what, like 19? Um, but you're you're not always getting those kind of picks. I mean, look at the Pacers' first-round picks over the years. I mean, TJ Leaf, right? That was a first-round pick. But if you're not drafting in the, the top five, there's no guarantee. And I think that that's the thing that, uh, so Turner was the 11th pick. I, I knew I was off on that. But if you're not drafting in the top five, there is no guarantee that's going to pan out. So the Pacers, to me, it's it's worth the risk to be in win-now mode if you're going to get an elite player who's ready to go, a guy who's a, a great defender, a guy who is averaging 22 a game. He, he helps you inside. Yeah, he's not going to be a three-point shooter. But the Pacers have a million three-point shooters. They need a defender, and he would be the player that could really add on to that. And in terms of giving up all of that, Jairus Walker's hardly played as a rookie. So, sure. I mean, he's barely hitting the floor. And the Pacers, the last time they gave a rookie player a contract extension was Miles Turner. And that was a draft pick in 2015, to put it in perspective. So, to me, this is how you build your team. And this would be a really good player to pair with Tyrese Halliburton who could also play defense, which is the biggest factor the Pacers are lacking right now. Especially as a forward in which they cannot play much defense at all at the forward spot. Text coming in t- saying it's a terrible trade. More details needed. Like, why is it a terrible trade? I'm not saying you're wrong. I just need more context than why you think. Is it because you don't like Siakam? Is it because you don't want to give up three first-round picks, potentially? I do think that you have to think of picks with as less value in the NBA than, say, the NFL. Three first-round picks in the NFL is a huge investment. I get it, it's an investment too, but if the Pacers are are going to be on the, the north end of the playoff picture for the foreseeable future, that means they're going to be picking down in the first round. And as you said, unless you're picking in the lottery, and even high in the lottery, you're not getting a guaranteed player. No. And in the NBA, you build a team, at least you start to build a team through the draft, But then how you become a contender is you have to be active in the trade market and free agency. Yes. I I mean, you have to be, you, you have to hit on a player or two in the draft, but then after that you have to add pieces in free agency to compete. That's just the reality. And it doesn't matter if you're LA who can build almost exclusively through free agency or Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yeah. I mean, right. I I mean, it doesn't matter. Milwaukee signed Damian Lillard in, in free agency, right? So they, they worked that deal. That that's, that is how you make things work in the NBA, and it doesn't matter what market you're in. The Pacers have to find a way to work these trades and free agency to, to compete, and this is how they do it. And again, I'm fine with giving up three first-round picks because you look at the Pacers' first-round picks over the years, there's a lot of whiffs. And like you said, if it's not in the top five, there's no guarantee. And for the Pacers, who are quite often picking you know, 15 to 25 there certainly is no guarantee. No, not at all. I think you look at, at two things with this trade, potentially if it happens. 
One, this is the impact that we talked about with Tyrese Halliburton and having this effect. If you're trading for Pascal Siakam, then you have some sort of deal to sign him long-term because he has been vocal about not wanting to re-sign or, re- or sign with the team of trades with it for him. If, if the Pacers make this trade and then don't sign Siakam, then it's a disaster, right? Yes. But you're only making this trade if you have a deal in place to extend him. And this is the impact of Tyrese Halliburton. Good luck getting Pascal Siakam to agree to sign with, with the Pacers on an extension if this trade was even two years ago. Because who would want to sign in Indianapolis? Now, all of a sudden, you have Tyrese Halliburton. And then, two, when you look at it, is this is an opportunity now for the Pacers to really take a, a really step forward and put themselves on the map even more so in the NBA. Is going all of a sudden, wow, they have Siakam and Tyrese Halliburton. And if you can lure another third really impact player, then you're really putting it over the top in terms of being a potential Eastern Conference champion is this is a big piece for the Pacers. You cannot look. The Pacers for so long have tried to grow through the draft and and develop their draft picks and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't work in the NBA. And the Pacers are finally looking at maybe the opportunity to not only lure a player, because effectively while you're trading for him, you have to lure him to Indianapolis in the sense that you have to get him to sign an extension. And you are in position to have a really good NBA player come to town and sign an extension to play for you. When's the last time you could say that about the Indiana Pacers? It's been uh, a long time. Yeah, it's been quite a long time. Someone texting in, what are some other free agent options for the Pacers? Well, one, I mean, this would be a deal in season. So you immediately add this piece in season. But as far as who's the the top free agents in 2024, you have Tyrese Maxey from Philly. Uh, Paul George, who you're going to laugh, but Paul George and the Pacers uh, had discussions. Now it's looking like he's going to re-sign and stay with the Clippers, but that was thought to be a legitimate option for a bit, uh, which would be quite interesting, the reception that would be, but legitimate option. Pascal Siakam is one of the next guys up there. I mean, you have an aging LeBron James, you have Drew Holiday, Tobias Harris, Another option at power forward, DeMar DeRozan. Like, these are some of the names out there, and then it, I feel like it really drops off. Yeah, James Harden's on there, but he's probably going to stay with the Clippers, one would think. And then OG Ananobi was already traded, and that was a guy the Pacers had a lot of discussions for last offseason, even this season. Here's my thing, though. The fact that this is leaked, just like the OG Ananobi stuff kind of leaked, the Pacers were interested, basically makes me think... This is not as likely to happen. It sounds great. You don't think it happens? Uh, I don't know if it happens. Well, I think because we've heard trade rumors for the Pacers time and time and time again, and they almost never seem to come to fruition. So I get that that sense. This is a good point in the text line, 46862. In order to compete in the East, you need a big man that can defend. It is all about matchups. Currently, the Pacers have tough, tough matchups with the top dogs. Siakam helps in that regard, but I agree in terms of a pure big man. Yeah, they lack it, but... Then again, you come back to how many pure big mans are there in the NBA, really? <laughs> Joel Embiid. I, I mean, is that about it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, just the fact that he's in the East, I guess, makes things difficult. But I mean, you have Jokic, but he is, a, yes, he's a big man, but he's out there shooting threes, right? And right. he's more of a, like a, a point center, if you will. But he definitely helps uh, at 6'8 and being able to defend the forward spot. And then I, I, it's a great point too, and we've talked about it before. 
Uh, CK, after the Mad Ants debacle, debacle, I wish nothing but mediocrity for the Pacers. And I totally understand that take. Completely understand. I get it. I, I'm not going to lie. That's why we do. Unless there's big news for the Pacers, that is part of the reason why we don't we cover don't the really Pacers. We talk about it because there are. I this think was big news we're talking about, obviously. Correct. And I think there's little for the, the second biggest market in a, a state with no other NBA team that's barely an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes from Indianapolis. The lack of the lack of interest for the Indiana Pacers is very telling in this area, and they did themselves no favors with how they they treated the fans of, uh, in this community with the Mad Ants. Even if you never went to a Mad Ants game or weren't didn't follow the Mad Ants, you still felt pretty cheated about how the 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 uh, this, the franchise treated the city. In terms of basically effectively ripping moving, them away, yeah, like in a random day, and no explain, no thank you, no nothing, and then they come up here and be like, "Hey, you want to buy season tickets to the Pacers?" And you're just like, "No," but I know there still are some Pacers fans around there, at least interested in what they're doing, and this would be definitely a uh, a, a big thing for the Pacers if they can pull it off. Four six eight six two, your text line number again. Four six eight six two. Coming up on the other side, a soon to be NFL player. It's perhaps faster than Tyreek Hill. Details next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Wrapping up hour number one, Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney. Justin, I don't know if you saw this news, but this uh, top rugby player trying to join the NFL. I saw it, which at first I'm like, rugby, whatever. And then find out that uh, this guy, what's his name? Luis Reese Zamet. Yes, a Welsh rugby player, one of the top in the game, leaving to pursue an NFL career. He once hit a top speed of 24.2 miles per hour in a rugby match. Almost a full mile per hour faster than Tyreek Hill. Yes, as far as fastest recorded speed, which Hill had, I think, on like a kick return. Yes. Um, But he's accepted an invite to the NFL through their international player pathway. Listed at 6'3", and I, I saw different weight listings. One said 194, another said 216. Either way, around 216 sounds better if you're yeah. going to play in the NBA <laughs> or the NFL, that's for but sure. But he's projected as a wide receiver or a, a some sort of kick returner. And the key thing, just 22 years old, a lot of times when you have these top rugby players, they're coming over late 20s, right? This guy's coming over early and would have a great opportunity to build a long-term career if it pans out for him. Will be interesting to follow that. Also, before we go to the top of the hour, did you see this with the interview yesterday with um, talking about uh, having to go to Detroit yes. or Tampa Bay? Yes. <laughs> and uh, asked uh, Todd Bowles, Todd Bowles about, about how he pre- is going to prepare his team for the weather up in Detroit. And basically said, well, they have a dome. So um, as the question was, today it's 13 degrees in Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only endure, but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? And Todd Bowles, because he's thinking, well, they're, they have a dome, so it's not going to be a problem. Uh, these, these, these people are actual NFL reporters. Yeah, They're I, allowed I, to cover... And this is the absurd. This is a larger conversation with journalism and especially print journalism about young people, unqualified people that are thrust into big positions to cover teams and make almost no money. 
is you have absurdities like this. I keep seeing more and more clips shared on social media of just absolutely and not like stupid questions that, that have to deal with you know facets of the game but things like that right like how are you going to prepare for the weather or someone asked like Tua you know explain the difference between being from Hawaii and Hawaiian and, and you know I saw that last week and it's like what <laughs> like, now that reporter was at least Asking a follow-up question based on people saying, I've been told not to refer to you as Hawaiian. Could you explain that a bit more? Gotcha. And that was more of a veteran reporter. But again, like Google exists. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess that, that's my biggest thing. It's like these reporters are asking questions that they should either A, already know the answer to, or B, be able to look up and not waste time in a press conference to get yeah, an seriously. actual important answer on something that has to do on the, the story that you're writing about. Like you're in an official press conference for an NFL team asking a head coach an actual question. There are very few journalists that have ever been in that situation and you're in that room and don't know that Detroit has an indoor stadium. Yeah, it's it's things like that that like, drive me nuts. Come on. But when you are in the print media business and you just hire the guy or girl that will take the least amount of money, then that's some of the absurdities you're going to get. Coming up on the other side, Purdue gets their marquee road win. Big Ten train back on track. What it means for the Boilers. And is it time for Mike Woodson to make a big decision regarding one of his players? We'll get to that next as we kick off hour number two. Here on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hour number two, Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch. Justin Kinney and you with us on the text line at 46862 in text line number 46862. If you have thoughts on IU Purdue, send them our way as Purdue blows out Indiana at Assembly Hall. Dak Eady, a monster performance, 33 points, 14 rebounds as the Boilers get their biggest win in Bloomington going back to 1934. And what's next for Purdue? And is it time for Mike Woodson to make a massive change with his lineup. We'll get to that in a bit. Plus, Jim Harbaugh wants this if he returns to Michigan. Harbaugh just completed an interview for the Chargers for their open head coaching job. Where things stand, though, at Michigan. And a statewide knockout competition is coming to Indiana. We'll give you details on uh, how your kids can participate in this. And before we leave you at the end of the show, passengers got their flight refunded after sitting in what they thought was water. Well, was not water. That should be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> also, I have, have my a, suspicions on what it is. <laughs> yeah, we'll find out yeah. if it's the same. <laughs> you, Your suspicions are probably correct. <laughs> and we have a four-pack of tickets to give away for the Comets and Wooster. Just text Railers to 46862. Again, Railers to 46862. You can see the Comets against the Railers at the Coliseum Sunday afternoon, evening. At 5 o'clock, is that afternoon or evening? I have had this discussion recently. I feel like we talk about this every now and then. Yes, 6 o'clock starts evening. 5 o'clock is still afternoon. I would agree. I would agree. If you you say good evening to me at 5.57 p.m., you are wrong. (laughs) It is still the afternoon. We're the same way on these very specific. Yeah. Like a few, three to five, several has to mean more than a few. Yes. A couple could mean. A couple to me could mean two and only two. Uh, a couple, yes. I, I think this couple, it has to be two. Three is stretching it, but I don't know. That's just the way we were raised. Yeah, but Comets, Railers, 
on Sunday at the Coliseum, 5 o'clock, Sunday afternoon puck drop. Just text Railers to 46862. Again, Railers to 46862, and you could be in the running for that four-pack. Winner will be selected at the end of the show this morning. Just make sure you can pop in uh, today, tomorrow, or Friday to pick up those tickets. Also, don't forget, you can always stream us, 1380thefan.com. That is free. You can download the free 1380thefan app and listen on your phone or on your smart speaker through Google or Alexa. Or Is there another smart speaker brand? I don't, I don't even know. Um, I have no idea. Yeah, that, that's all I know about I smart speakers. I don't know much speakers. about smart speakers. <laughs> I'm not smart enough to have a no, smart speaker. Exactly. Uh, but you can listen in for free on there. And if you miss anything on hour number one, don't forget, you can always catch up via the podcast Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just look for it to download on your favorite podcasting platform around 10.30 each and every morning. All right, so the Boilers get a huge win last night. They finally get a big Big Ten road win as Purdue now in sole possession of second place in the Big Ten. Meanwhile, Wisconsin lost on the road at Penn State last night. And so Wisconsin now no longer winless in the Big Ten standing. So Purdue knocking on the door. And when I look at this Purdue team, and this was their toughest road test to date, right? Playing your rival on the road. I I get that Northwestern beat them on the road. I get that Nebraska beat them on the road. But the environment in Assembly Hall, Purdue came out firing. They got Khalil Ware, McKenzie, and Baco in early foul trouble. Mike Woodson had poor substitution patterns, nothing new, right? That's been his whole coaching tenure. But, uh... The Boilers rolled from there, and you look at this team, they're only going to lose games to a hot shooting team from three, plain and simple. That is how you beat Purdue. And and quite honestly, if that's how you beat a team of Purdue's caliber, I think if you're Purdue, you take that because you're not going to face many of those games throughout the season. Well, I mean, when you look at it as the games that they've lost, it's against hot shooting teams. I mean, Northwestern beats them in overtime, 92-88. to Uh, In that game... Uh, for Northwestern, uh, they were really, really good in terms of shooting the basketball. Uh, they hit 50% from three, hit 10 threes, were able to get to the line as well, um, shot close to 50% from the field in that game. And then the route at Nebraska a couple weeks ago, or like I would say last week, I'd say, um, with that one, is pretty much the same story in terms of Nebraska being able to shoot the basketball and getting into the high 80s in terms of point totals. I mean, Nebraska hit 14 threes in that game, shot 50% from the field. And so those two games are very similar in the way that those squads were able to hit shots. I use not a team that can hit shots. So when you look at Purdue going forward, they're going to have some bigger road games. Wisconsin, Ohio State, Illinois, better teams than Indiana playing them on the road. But at least last night, it was to date their biggest win away from at least true road games. Yeah, yeah, not not including neutral site games like what they did in the Maui Invitational or beating Arizona, who was number one at the time in Indy. Which I mean, it's a new, calling that a neutral site game feels yeah, like a stretch. Not a neutral site for, for sure. That's <laughs> there uh, were a lot of Arizona fans there, but uh, again, um, this was. A very impressive performance by Purdue. And I think that was like my biggest takeaway from this game. My second biggest takeaway, meanwhile, Mike Woodson has a problem with Xavier Johnson on his hands. This is the same guy 
who said a couple weeks ago, saying, I need to be a better leader. Since he's come back from his injury, all he's done is get ejected at Rutgers for a below-the-belt hit that was completely uncalled for. In real time, he thought, wow, he just got taken out, but then you saw the replay, and you saw that, yeah, he deserved to be ejected. Then you have what happened last night with him shoving underneath with Zach Eady. Also got a flagrant. No ejection. Ejection wasn't warranted, but it was just a stupid play. Along with all the other stupid plays of him running up and down the floor, taking bad shots, um, trying to showboat. Just play the game of basketball. If you're not going to just play the game of basketball and and get away from this me-first style of play, you can ride the bench or you can be off the team for all I care. He has become a detriment to this team. And I, I never thought I'd think that because Gabe Cups clearly is the less athletic, not as good of a defender. Yeah, he, he's usually in the right spots. Uh, can't do anything offensively. He cr- can't create his own shot, is hesitant to shoot, period. Last night was an offensive explosion from him. But Xavier Johnson, either be the better leader or get off the team. Like, there's a reason you're coming off the bench, and nothing he showed last night, zero points, 0 for 5 in 19 minutes, and a stupid flagrant foul call gave me any confidence this is going to change anytime soon. I think looking at it bigger for Indiana is looking at the big picture. And you take last night as a prime example. And let's fast forward to 2024-2025. I don't like what this IU basketball team is going to look like next year. Like, What what is this team going to be next year? I mean... Who's is Khalil way around? Is Mackenzie and Baco around? Uh, those are the biggest questions, right? If if they're both around, you feel pretty good. You add a shooter and McNeely cups will will clearly be the point guard, and you probably work the portal. But I'd be shocked if Ware's still around. He's going to the NBA, right? Malik Renew's still around. He's a good player. You you think so? Probably. Um, it's just uh. The the future isn't bright, I look at it, for, for, for Indiana, and it's just amazing the lengths that Indiana went to try to get Xavier Johnson back, and this is how he's repaying them. This is how he's going about his business. And, and you know what? I'm not one that likes to call out a college player, but he's a 60-year senior. There's no excuse None. for what we're seeing. He's old enough and should be mature enough to, to be uh, able he's to... He's immature. Uh, well, yes, that's true. <laughs> but he is old enough and should be mature enough as a six-year college basketball player, to not be making those plays on the court. And that's just not changing. And, and the reality is, do you suspend him a game? Do you bench him a game? Like, you, you got to do something because the well, message clearly is not getting Taking him out of the lineup hasn't worked. I don't know no. what else is, is going to work. So, I don't know at this point. Um, yeah, there's there's debate to people, pure IU fans going back and forth on the text line too about the foul. Those were legit fouls called, Okay. I'm not, we're not Edie had into, two fouls caught, uh, called on him. I don't know what else you want me to say. Yeah, I don't know what people are, are saying. I think it's just the, the crimson colored glasses and you just see what you want to see. Now, was it shocking to see that big of a foul disparity for IU versus Purdue? Yes. Yeah, but I felt like but IU, IU was, was fouling. fouling more. Yeah, okay? they were. It's like, <laughs> I'm sorry, you're fouling more. And I, I just, it, uh, you can only make so many excuses. It's always. I know it's it's very difficult for IU fans to give Purdue credit. Purdue's a much better basketball team. They're a much better coach basketball team. 
They're a much more talented basketball team. I don't care what the rosters look like. They're much more talented. They play more as a team. They play more disciplined. They have better leadership. All of the things that go into having a better basketball program, Purdue has over Indiana. It's not just Zach Eady. It's culture. It's coaching. It's attitude. It's talent or lack thereof or the inability to develop talent or put that talent in the best position to succeed. There was no reason McKenzie Mbaco should have been out of that game, even with two fouls. You have to keep him in there. Especially I, after Khalil Ware picked up his second, yeah, it, you put McKenzie Mbaco back in. I understand Ware's sitting out. Now he probably sat out too long. I mean, Mbaco didn't play again until so late in the first half where the game already felt out of hand. It was out of reach. And, and the problem with Xavier Johnson is or at least disciplining him, is you have nobody else. There is no natural depth on this team. None. Anthony Leal was unavailable last night. Otherwise, he would have gotten minutes. He's been unavailable for two years. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, He's played well in spot minutes this year, but it's not a guy you can count on for more than five minutes at a time. Not what you thought you were getting when you brought in Anthony Leal. But it's just a bad performance. And performances like that... Last night, or what gets you fired at Indiana? I guess not. I mean, what gets you raises is just making the tournament. But you had won both games as a head coach at Indiana over Purdue at home. But performances like last night are the quickest way to be shown the exit door in Bloomington. You cannot get rolled off your home floor by your rival. Was it the biggest win for Purdue? At Indiana since the 30s? Something like that? Yeah, since 1934. That can't happen. And it did. Purdue came in. They showed why they're a top three ranked team in the country. And IU, quite frankly, showed that it's a program that is mired in mediocrity. And not going to the tournament this year unless some miracle happens. And look, McKenzie Mbaco starting to figure it out at this time of year is maybe the only thing that could help IU get a tournament berth. Because right. if he continues to figure it out and get better as he has these last several games, that's the that's the one thing IU has because it's certainly not going to be Xavier Johnson that you can count on anymore. And and Trey Galloway is going to be hot cold all season. Um yeah, you have good front court players, but beyond that, you don't have anything at guard and and, and Baco's the one X factor for this team that could change things if he continues to play as well as he has of late. Four six eight six two is the text line number. If you're a Purdue fan, you want to brag, go for it on the text line. If you're an IU fan, you want to whine, go for it on the text line. Again, just put in CK before your message. Also, if you want to win Comets tickets, text Railers to 46862. Again, Railers to 46862. You'll be in the running for a four-pack of tickets. See the K's and the Worcester Railers on Sunday, 5 o'clock puck drop. And in per request on the text line, uh, poll question of the day is, do you consider 5 p.m. afternoon or evening? So you can vote Caleb Kinney 1380 on Twitter slash X. Your thoughts in the poll. And last I checked, uh, afternoon was winning. It's now 50-50. Oh, there we afternoon go. Afternoon to evening. So make sure to vote on that. We are both saying firmly afternoon. Uh, it that, is- after, oh, yep. There you go. It just, just tied up. So again, Caleb Kinney 1380 on Twitter slash X. You can vote in our... Uh, poll question of the day. like to have fun with, with those poll questions. Now, what constitutes evening? I would say the 6 to 8 o'clock window. Uh, I see what you're saying, yeah. Because uh, after 8, it's 
night? Or would you carry that further? I wouldn't carry that further. Uh, night, definitely. I, I I think you could still wish somebody a good evening at 8.38 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could go as far as 9 p.m. I, I, can, I can be down with that. But afternoon goes until 6 o'clock at 5.59. If you wish me a good, a-, a good evening, no, 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 no. It's good afternoon until 6 o'clock. Now, think about it like in summer when it's still light out, super late. Like, but yeah, even, I'd say after 9 p.m. is definitely night. Yeah. But even then, even in the summer when it's bright out till 10.30, I think post 6 o'clock is still evening. Yes. To me. No, I, I, I agree. But let us know what you think on the text line and voting on Twitter slash X on Caleb and Kenny in the morning at Caleb Kenny 1380 coming up on the other side. Jim Harbaugh wants this. If he returns to Michigan, it's absolutely ridiculous, but you know, Michigan would go for it because they're that desperate. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380, the fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning. You're on 1380, the fan 100.9 FM. Don't forget to text Railers to four, six, eight, six, two, Again, Railers to 46862. You could win a four-pack of tickets. See the Comets and the Worcester Railers coming up Sunday afternoon. Five o'clock puck drop at the Coliseum this weekend. Just make sure you can pick up the tickets here at the studios at 2915 Maples Road uh, today, tomorrow, Friday before 5 p.m. Yeah, come by and see us off, off Maples Road. Pick up your tickets for the K's. Big weekend series against Wooster. And take advantage. You know, you used to see an Indy and Kalamazoo and Toledo. Like, go out and see another team we don't hardly see in these parts. So, out of division matchup over the weekend. I mean, they played Rapid City on the road last week. They get Wooster this week. So, changing things up after the, like you mentioned, Comet, Comet, constant Comet games against Toledo and Cincy and Kalamazoo and indie and so on and so forth yeah it's nice and all but i like to see wheeling teams there's 30 29 28 whatever there are teams in the achl we're lucky to see you know 10 of them yeah around here. i get it due to travel but i'd rather go to a game to see a new team than see the same old team especially toledo not like the comments can beat them anyway <laughs> careful <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm speaking the truth it is true uh so from hockey to college football uh University has a very good hockey program, Michigan. But Jim Harbaugh, who just completed his first interview for an NFL head coaching job this offseason, interviewed with the Chargers earlier this week. Meanwhile, if he returns to Michigan, he wants immunity, a.k.a. no firing for cause. He also wants a delay of his buyout, uh, which is set to increase when from $1.5 million to $4 million. He wants it delayed to February 15th. Why? Because, well... The NFL coaching cycle, hiring cycle, would be completed by then. I understand that one, and I'm sure Michigan would be willing to so work with that. But, but the, the first one, the the immunity, never you can never <laughs> fire me. Is basically they, they what could that fire is? him for, for for performance, but not for the current oh the scandals. current issues. Yeah, because it's scandals plural. Everyone wants to focus on the sign stealing, which a was legal, but b. What Connor Stallions did was not legal, but sign stealing from opponents in games is very much legal. Uh, but the recruiting violations, right? And the just a hamburger, right? <laughs> that yeah, whole yeah. thing. Well, uh, so the reason why he was suspended at the start of the past season. Does that mean all current and future scandals? 
the way I interpret it is that it would be for the the current scandals. Yeah. But again, he could be fired for performance. That's weird. I, I thought if anything, he would a- ask for you can't fire me based on performance. But that tells me, doesn't it kind of tell you that there's substance to the current scandals? Well, and if that, Jim Harbaugh is effectively asking for immunity from that's, being fired. That's the other thing. Why would an innocent man yeah. accept that three game suspension at the end of the regular season ahead of their biggest games? Right. And if even, which also tells me that there's more to this because. He could say, well, I already served my suspension. That's all there is to this, blah, blah, blah. But no, he's saying, well, if I come back, I don't want to be fired by the current investigation. Well, whatever you find in the current investigation, it tells me there's more to find out. Well, the current investigations outside of the the whole sign stealing scandal, you got to remember the recruiting violations because he lied to NCAA investigators. Those became more serious. That's why he had that first three game suspension. And they're still looking into that. And that's where he wants immunity from, from because that could mean you know reduced scholarship limits and more suspensions for him if he does return to Michigan. All that said, he is negotiating his way, and he has a lot of negotiating power with Michigan, but I don't believe this will make any difference. He'll be the next head coach of the Chargers. They just got to check all the boxes, get the contract figured out, because if Harbaugh was going to return to Michigan, he would have already signed that extension. I believe, yeah, I agree, which has been on the table for a while. It's not just postseason that that thing has been sitting there. This is way before even the Rose Bowl game. But I think if you're a Michigan fan, you got what you wanted. You won a national championship. I really wouldn't care. I wouldn't care, quite frankly, about the investigations. I guess I would somewhat care that Jim Harbaugh is leaving because you want to win multiple national titles. I get it. But you came out winners. Regardless of what Harbaugh does, even if he leaves today, you're still national champions. No matter what the NCAA does and says and vacate whatever, which I don't know if it ever come to that. I don't think it will. You're still national champions, and you got what you wanted. So they're never taking that away from you. Uh, a disturbing development too in our voting. Yeah. Do you consider 5 p.m. afternoon or evening? Currently, 79% consider 5 p.m evening which is just just flat out wrong it's flat it's it's very disturbing uh i i am really questioning the folks not necessarily the folks that listen to our show but at least follow it on twitter and x it's it's very concerned and a text relates to this at 46862 no one says i have dinner reservations tomorrow evening at 5 p.m yeah it's true it's evening evening starts at 6 p.m. Okay, you say late afternoon, which I constitute late afternoon as 4 to 6. But I think, and I brought it up to you during the break, I think a perfect person to give his take on this would be Brett Rump, who hosts the afternoon show, not the afternoon slash evening show, the afternoon show from 4 to 6 here on 1380. I think you... You wish people a good evening heading out of that show, but at 5.58, it's still afternoon. We have a few replies on uh, Twitter slash X. Uh, my buddy's saying, these are the hard-hitting questions no one else is brave enough to take on. Yeah, these are the things that <laughs> you These are the things into. we love to get opinions on. And and way too far in the, re- in the weeds. But yes. I think it is very important because people, you, you just sound silly if you're saying 
for instance, I have dinner reservations at 515 at such and such place. But I wouldn't say at 515 tomorrow night or tomorrow evening. I'd just say at 5 or 515. Yeah. Or I, I, I probably wouldn't add on afternoon because it'd be extraneous. Oh, that's a good word. Uh, someone else uh, tagged Pat McAfee show. What's your very important take on this? Maybe Pat McAfee <laughs> will pick this up and, and run with it today. Lord knows he could get off the normal <laughs> whatever <they> talk about <laughs> on there. But uh, yeah, it's it's hopefully afternoon can make a comeback in this voting online because as I sit right now, I just I'm, I'm questioning everything I've ever known based on what what the results now and now it's gone to 81 percent. Even. Yeah, it, it keeps going. What up. is going I, on? I have reshared it, so I I want to get people's takes on this. Is disturbing. Four six eight six two is the text line number. Uh, a couple other responses <laughs> coming in on this. Uh, when I send emails out at work and it's five o'clock, I say good evening. Uh, someone else. Five p.m. is the purgatory between afternoon and evening, also known as happy hour. I'll give you that. Five o'clock is always nice for happy hour. Um, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's, I'm really concerned, really concerned right now. It's troubling for the future of our country. It is troubling. That's it. Uh, you, 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 uh, you weep for the children, uh, with this yes. take, the people that are, that are going through the five o'clock hour thinking it's the evening. Now I get it when you work like a nine to five and you consider once you get off work evening, but it's wrong. It's fundamentally wrong. I, I don't consider when I get off work, like I used to get off at 6 p.m. And I guess I would consider that evening because it's 6 p.m. Correct. But I think maybe people lump in evening with five o'clock because that's when they get off work and oh, you work during the day and then you're off at night. And I get that. But no, you, you have an extra hour of afternoon from five to six. Join it or enjoy it. This point. <sighs> Keep continues to yeah, go. Yeah, it, it, it gets it's worse. It's going against uh, Don't forget, you can text Railers to 46862. Let's talk about something positive. Text <laughs> Railers to 46862 and win a four-pack of tickets. See the comments and the Railers again coming up this Sunday at the Coliseum. Five o'clock, puck drop, winner selected into the show. Let us know your thoughts. Um, someone else said people in Indiana must be confused about afternoon and evening because it's dark at 5 p.m., so they think it's evening. Well, yeah, it's dark at 5 p.m. in the winter. Yeah, but in the summer, I still think that 6.45 is evening. If need, is evening. Even with the sun is seemingly in the middle of the sky. It doesn't go down until 10. So I don't think it's a winter-summer thing. I think it's an all-year-round thing. Someone else uh, texted in at 46862. CK, I consider 5 p.m. nighttime even more controversial. You are wrong. <laughs> <sighs> My gosh, it's just an epidemic we're dealing with around people. It's, it's fundamentally wrong. But we are here to try to rectify those wrongs. And, and here we thought IU Purdue and and everything we saw last night would be the biggest debate on the show today, <laughs> or the biggest talking point. And now suddenly this poll has hijacked everything. It absolutely has. And, and when we talk about importance, this is much more important than any <laughs> basketball rivalry. This is great. Only a couple of weirdo Reds fans would think five o'clock <laughs> is the afternoon. <laughs> That's great. Also, someone else, can you announce the score of the Big Ten game last night just for the fun? Yes. Uh, Wisconsin and uh, Penn State played last night in the Big Ten. And that was the big game, right? Penn State actually beat Wisconsin last night in Big Ten men's basketball action. Uh, Penn State had the win in Happy Valley. So they beat Wisconsin on the road at the Bryce Jordan Center, 87-83. to 83. And just for you Purdue fans, 
The Boilermakers get the win and Bloomington last night, 87 to 66. The 21 point margin of victory, the biggest win for Purdue at Indiana since 19, what, 34? Yes. It's been a minute. Been a few minutes. All right, what else are we talking about here in this show? We had 21 le- minutes remaining <laughs> to change a lot of people's minds, but I guess we could talk about some other things. Uh, we have one one other comment on this, and then we'll we'll move forward. We'll give you details on the statewide knockout competition. Uh, someone said, it's very simple. 12.01 a.m. to 11.59 a.m. is morning. 12 p.m. is noon. 12.01 p.m. to 5.59 p.m. is afternoon. 6 p.m. to 11.59 p.m. is evening. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, would, see, uh, this is where I push back. I would say twelve oh one a.m. because midnight on the dot is midnight. Twelve oh one a.m. to four fifty nine a.m. is overnight, and then five a.m. to eleven fifty nine a.m. is is more. No, you're you're. Or, or we could even do the demarcation at five fifty nine a.m. <laughs> as far as overnight. But I would say once you get to five a.m., that's not really overnight anymore. But 12.01 a.m. to 4.59 a.m. is certainly overnight. We know for sure that this is a morning show, but we will yes. go to the grave saying 5 to 6 o'clock is still afternoon, not evening. But you can let us know what you think on the text line. I mean, we'd like to keep moving on, but we keep getting texts on this. And then also on Twitter slash X vote, where right now 82% of, the, of people that have voted say that 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. is evening, not afternoon. Coming up on the other side, statewide knockout competition. Here's how your kids can get involved, including a stop in Fort Wayne. The Pacers putting this on out of All-Star Weekend. Details on that next. Here on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on a Wednesday. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney. 46862 is how you can interact with us on the text line. Again, 46862. Just put in CK before your message and... Getting texts, tweets, whatever. Our, our poll question of the day. Do you consider 5 p.m. afternoon or evening? You can vote Caleb Kinney 1380 on Twitter slash X. That is how you vote. It is now 80-20 evening to afternoon. I, I'm shocked by this. Absolutely shocked. Very disturbing. Very disturbing. Uh, hopefully afternoon can make a comeback. But um, we talked about it uh, about knockout. We all played knockout warriors. Yes. Kids. Love knockout. Growing up. Now you can uh, have your kid compete in a knockout competition that potentially would take you to the All-Star game. Correct. Well, I don't know about the the game itself, but a competition at All-Star Weekend. So uh, a statewide knockout competition that the Indiana Pacers are putting together. They'll be held at different high school girls and boys basketball games throughout the state. Winner of each competition will get uh, a limited edition NBA All-Star Basketball, two tickets to NBA crossover during All-Star Weekend, plus an invitation to the final knockout competition during All-Star Weekend at Bicentennial Unity Plaza. Uh, Fever Guards Grace Berger and Lexi Hull will be, uh, be attending these upcoming games, including a stop in the Fort Wayne area coming up Thursday, January 25th, Angola at Warsaw. Girls game that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is the the closest one to Fort Wayne. Angola at Warsaw coming up Thursday, January 25th. So if your kid wants to participate in this knockout competition, they can. And then they'll have the, the invite if they win to compete at All-Star Weekend as well. And does it say an age limit? 
Uh, not seeing details on an age limit, but I, I would guess there's uh, 12, 14. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Just show up and start playing knockout. Apparently see if you get picked, but, uh, but again, if you go to one of those high school games, you'll, you'll be able to participate. So have you seen the speaking of all-star weekend, the basketball court that they yes. have put at the co- central concourse of the Indianapolis airport. Yes, I have pretty darn cool, which I'm also wondering because I've been at that part of the airport where there's usually like people walking from Concord or the, the it's like in the, I don't know if you want to talk the, the food court, but they also have stores in there. I was like, do people just walk over it? I imagine not, but uh, it's pretty slick looking. You can't play though. Like you can't shoot. Yeah. I didn't, I, I would imagine they don't have like balls sitting there and no, you just start checking balls and stuff like that. I think it's just for show. But it is at a busy part of the Indianapolis airport, and it is a sizable court to walk around. But uh, I thought it was pretty cool that they put in there. You know, they do things at the airport, put an IndyCar in there around 500 a month and stuff like that. But uh, pretty unique having a full-size basketball court at the, at the uh, airport. And they've had, uh, so back to the knockout. So uh, one of my buddies texted me. They actually have one at Carroll as well. So they've had several of these already. Gotcha. Like this is, again, all across the state. And the date at Carroll is, let's see, he's texting me and I'm trying to read like five things at once. At once. Um, well, that's confusing because it says Carroll. Uh, wait, that's the other Carroll. Carroll Flora? I think so. There we go. Here's the correct one. And it is, yes, uh, Carroll and Snyder at Carroll High School coming up oh, there you time. Go. Next Friday night, January 26th, 7.30. So uh, that is one of the other ones. And there's also one at West Noble, January 26th. Again, that game tips at 8. So there are a few other opportunities. One at Leo, January 27th for Belmont and Leo. There's a few other opportunities for you to participate around the area. So this is really, really cool. Um, I've not seen like a official like age thing for this but the competition all 92 counties in the state wow pretty cool so they they continue to do good things for the state as far as connecting all-star weekend to everyone i have to give credit to the pacers or at least trying but at least in terms of making friends around here and how they treated the mad ants and uh 10 to 18 years old that is oh there you go at least for the carol one all right so not Again, getting all the info. I can't even find it in the release. That's the thing. Like, I read the story and I'm like, okay, this is great. Where's the age limits? Like, right. like where where are more details? But uh, at least we have more info on the Carol outing. So again, Warsaw, January what twenty fifth, and then Carol, January twenty sixth. Leo, the twenty seventh. You have several options in the Fort Wayne area for your kid to participate and have a chance. You go to Indy as part of All-Star Weekend, plus West Noble and Fairfield on the 26th as well. You know, at the very least, go, tell them you're 18, and own some kids in knockout. <laughs> Here, here's the thing. When, when playing this, um, like, you, you got to, like, announce some, like, official rules, right? Oh, yeah. It can't be just a free-for-all, which is some knockout. Yeah, like, are we playing, into. like, you can't use your basketball as a weapon sure. for your opponent? That's the thing that always happens You know, with you got to make sure you... you make that rule entirely clear. You also have to make sure that 
when it's going like quick at the end that the the correct person gets the first shot correct and there's no yeah you gotta have some policing here yeah you don't have people you're in the proper order where you're shooting all that stuff um yeah definitely you, you have to have some sort some semblance of uh of um officiating out there for this thing 46862 again the text line number 46862 we still have more text on the 5 p.m debate uh in jewish tradition the next day begins at sundown so 5 p.m in the winter is tomorrow uh someone else you're seeing seasonality bias if it's dark at five o'clock people see that as evening ask again in the summer and you'll get more logical results i could see that uh also somebody asking what knockout is yeah it's basically a game where you have a, a line and you have to make the shot uh, if you don't make the shot, you go to the back line. Well, no, no, no. Here, I'll, I'll explain it better. <laughs> I, 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 easier to play it than explain yes. it. You, you explain. So you line up in a line and everyone is shooting free throws. The person in front of you is always shooting their free throw first. Then you shoot right after they do. If you are first and the and you miss your free throw and the person behind you either makes their free throw or makes a layup before you make a layup, Correct. you are out. And yes. then you just continue at single elimination. Like you, you're out, you're out. There's no double elimination. And then you just keep going. And then you start off with, you know, a dozen, 15, 20, you know, it could be 30 people in line. Then you get to the end and it, it moves a lot faster. But the goal is you either make your free throw or you make your layup before the next person behind you makes it and you advance. So basically, you can only be knocked out if the person, two people behind you in line, makes a basket correct no behind you in line that's what i said behind you in line yes behind them in line yeah before you make before you make a a basket they're a free thrower layup and then you just again you you go back to the end of the line if you make your shot and then the line rotates through then you shoot your free throw and you go from there yeah so and you can't the most important thing with knockout is you cannot use your ball as a weapon or you shouldn't be you shouldn't add that you have to make that a rule yeah, that's like prison rules is where you can use your ball and you're just chucking it at other people's balls so they don't make a shot. High school, you high school and middle school age kids, you're usually using your ball as a weapon. If they miss their free throw, then you use your ball to knock their ball out of the way. On the playground, but, on the in the prison yeah. yard, all bets are off. But Correct. this is official knockout. Yeah, I don't I don't think that will be legal in this competition. I don't think so. And it shouldn't be. So go out and play knockout. See if you can represent the your county uh, down at the festivities for NBA All-Star Weekend in Indy. Coming up on the other side, uh, some passengers got their flight refunded after sitting in what they thought was water for hours. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Real quick, wrapping it up, a New Zealand couple got a refund from Qantas Air- Airways after they sat in a passenger's urine for a 10-hour flight. <laughs> Going from Bangkok, Thailand to Sydney, Australia, en route back to New Zealand. The, the Kiwis. Uh, so their their seat was wet and they thought it was water? Yeah, so it, it went downhill when a Qantas pillow and other belongings were placed underneath the seat in front of them. And then they, they grabbed his pillow. It was reportedly damp, along with their duty-free bag, a headphone case, portable neck pillow. They thought it was just spilled water. Uh-huh. Nope. It like, was urine. So person in front of him peed. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was urine from a toddler. Oh, toddler. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Well, at least so it's they, sterile. They got a refund. I could understand that. Yeah.
And and some points, of course. Of course, the points. Yeah, Give all the about points. the points. All the, everything is better. The point, yeah. like the the Alaska Airlines with the the, yeah. the door that flew off. You better ah, give just me a, give him some points. You better give be me fine. lifetime elite status for that. For <laughs> that uh, here, have some points. Shut up and take your points. For Jessica Kitty, I'm Caleb Atch, Dan Patrick. Coming up, the herd with Colin Coward at noon. Indiana Sports Beat with Jim Coyle from three to four, and the Sports Rush with Brett Rump from four to six. The afternoon show, yes, from four to six here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Have a great day.